Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Draft Daily. We are finally getting real close to the draft. We're, we're about 10 days out. We still got a lot of really exciting prospects to break down, though. Today we're going to break down Frank Ragnow. We bring in a special guest in Joe Goodberry. You can follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. He breaks down the NFL and Cincinnati Bagels for The Athletic. Joe, how are we doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I know uh, this is the guy you want to talk about. We've been trying to set this up for a little while, and I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Frank Ragnow is a, an exciting guy to watch, and let's let's just kind of give a quick background of him. Here's a kid out of Minnesota, three-star recruit, was a big-time basketball player. He threw the shot in discus, basically chose Arkansas over Florida State and Minnesota. He's got a background playing guard and center, and he was a tackle recruit out of, college, out of high school. And then, you know, he didn't participate in the combine, but he did participate in his pro day, which he absolutely blew up. I mean, he came in at six foot five and an eighth, three hundred twelve pounds, seventy eight and seven inch wingspan, thirty three and eighth arm length. Uh, his, he had small hands at nine and three eighths, but his ten yard split, twenty yard split, and forty yard split were eighty. 90th and 99th percentile his vertical jump was 94th percentile his broad jump was 115 inches which was 98th percentile his 20 yard shuttle with which uh arif Hassan has come on and talked about how important that is for centers in there and how in terms of predicting how good they are was 451 which was the 84th percentile his three cone was real poor at 8 804 which is in the 16th percentile but you know he he blew up his pro day. So talk to me, Joe. When you watch Frank Ragnow, what are, what are some of the things you really like about his game? And I didn't expect him to blow up the pro day, although I do think he is an athlete. You know, um, he's probably the best second-level blocker, I think, uh, not only from centers, I think in the draft. Uh, I think Quentin Nelson's fantastic from Notre Dame, but if you watch just and say guys in open field, guys in second level, climbing to the second level, knowing when to do it, locating your target and hitting them at the right time, walling them off, doesn't matter if it was a fast linebacker or a guy that uh, that deals with traffic well or deals with with blockers well. I thought Ragnar was fantastic at it, and uh, when I saw the the pro day times, I thought, okay, this probably translates. Uh, you expect the tape to translate, but you want to see it in the measurables also. And I think uh, putting those two together, it makes you feel real comfortable about him. Uh, I think he's got really good hands when he in terms of latching onto those guys and and not letting go, especially when he's dealing with linebackers and space players. Uh, I do think there's times he can get a little high, get pushed back a little bit by big, bigger nose tackles. But overall, I think he's a fundamentally sound guy at either guard or center. Um, he he didn't allow a sack according to Pro Football Focus, although if you watch the Auburn game, he was uh, one-on-one with the defensive tackle. He, he got a holding call that uh, negated a sack that he did allow. So really good pass protector, but um, – you know, I, I there are times where you see he gets bull rushed a little bit and can't anchor because he is high. He plays high, and he's at six foot five. I think that's going to happen, but I also think it, it helps him more than it hurts him there. So, in, in terms of positive, I think I think the the spatial awareness, picking up blitzers, picking up uh, stunts and games over up the middle. I think he's exactly what you want. So, for me, uh, I'd like him in a man power scheme or in in a, a zone scheme because I think him getting to that second level is just what really separates him from, from the average center in this draft. So uh, for me, those are the positives. That's why I really like him. And I, I think he probably just looking at the upside should be a first round pick, but the problem was he was hurt this past year. Uh, he played after about three quarters of the year, wasn't ready for the combine was cleared to play in his pro day with an ankle injury. Uh, and that's when he tested really well. So he must be healthy now. And I think that's why he's still being projected as a second, maybe third round pick. 
by a lot of people. I, I think people are starting to push him up a little bit as we get to go back and match the athleticism measurements with the tape and and know that he's healthy now. Uh, you start to feel good about that. Uh, there are sometimes I wish the athleticism showed maybe on the reach block, getting to that shaded nose or getting to that free tech. Uh, he doesn't make it look as easy as I was James Daniels. Uh, but I think he, he separates himself from a guy like Billy Price, who may be the next center. If you're looking for a zone scheme center. And I, I think that's what Ragnow really uh, could work a little bit where I don't think it translates all the time, but I think he's better off than most guys. Yeah. Just to follow up on a few of your points. Uh, one is I, I think the, the point that he's been moving up people's boards is really important because He's a guy you saw getting mocked in the third or fourth round and is probably going to go late round one um, sometime early day two would be my guess. Uh, I, I think a couple things I really like about him is you mentioned his pass protection, and he, he is a little susceptible to the bull rush like you mentioned, but I think overall he's a really good pass blocker. I think he's got good hand placement. I think he's got strong hands. You mentioned this. Some of his reach blocks, there's left there's a lot left to be desired, but his combo blocks where he he's yeah. kind of doubling someone and then looking to get to the next level, I think his awareness is really good and his ability to do that is really good. I was just going to say there's a timing aspect to that, those combo blocks and getting to the second level, and you rarely see him mess that up, whether that's good chemistry with the guy next to him, which is important for a center anyways to develop that, but... Uh, you know that power initially, knowing when and who is gonna is gonna break off on that guy that's gonna cross their face. He seems to rarely do I look at it and say, oh, they made a bad decision or they're too late or they got hung up on that nose tackle for too long. It seems like uh, Ragnar is clean on it, quick and precise on, on those combo blocks. Yeah, and I think he's got really good play strength as well. I mean, I think he's got basically everything you look for out of a center in terms of. You know, ability to pass block, ability to make those combo blocks, good strength, good hands, ability to get to the second level. And I, I think he's a intelligent football player, too, which is something I'm always looking for out of my center. But, you know, certainly no prospects perfect. What, what are some of the concerns you have with this game? Yeah, uh, and I initially wrote the, the how he gets upright. And I think that is something I would definitely write a few times for him because you probably see it once or twice uh, uh, a game in pass protection. But and the thing with that is he, he will look ugly in the initial maybe half second of a snap but he always regains and recovers. And, you know, that's balance. That's athleticism, I think, for sure. Uh, that's repositioning your hands and get regaining leverage. So I think sometimes when people watch him, I've seen a lot of people say, well, it doesn't look good here or it doesn't look good there. But he didn't lose the rep. He's, he finds ways to win the rep. If it's not in the initial portion of the snap, you know, you may only have two and a half, three seconds total on a play. Uh, he will find a way to recover and win normally. So uh, there are times I, I, I see people point out, uh, different reps of his and I say yeah it does look ugly or yeah he did get a little upright but he ended up winning and it whether that be you know uh, you you regain yourself re-anchor or turn a guy away from the, the play to me those are still wins and I think those are those are things you're going to have to do in the NFL level on almost every single play is you're going to get jolted back by a big nose tackle you, how do you recover how do you regain um, leverage and, and angle on the play so for me that it's a it's a negative, but at the same time, I see it as a positive with him. Honestly, I didn't see too many negatives total with him. I thought at times when he did play guard, he played one game of guard this year against Alabama. Uh, there were some times he, he looked really good. There were some times he looked bad. I think that's what you get when you play a defense like Alabama, though. So for me, those are the games I want to watch for offensive linemen. That I think that gives you the best representation of, uh, of what he – probably is on a day-to-day -day game in the NFL. So for me, if I were to point out a bad game, I would say it's that, even though I think he's still scored pretty highly in that game overall. It's typically a good sign when your weaknesses are talking about uh, reps where the guy ultimately won anyway. That that kind of tells you there what kind of... Where he loses 
throughout first, middle, and end of the rep. There's not many. Right. So that, that I mean, that's a that's a really strong sign. I, you know, he he had that terrible three cone time, which yeah. isn't the end of the world. He definitely is a little tight hipped. Um, and it's probably he's probably gonna have some limitations in terms of uh, quickness. But you know, like like you said, if if you kind of put him in a power man scheme, I think it can mask some of his deficiencies and his strengths are going to win out like you mentioned so i I really think that a lot of the weaknesses uh can be fixed or hidden with either scheme or his other abilities and then you know the the big one that's going to be talked about is his injuries right he he missed seven games this year with the ankle injury it it took him a while to get over and anytime offensive linemen have uh knee and ankle and leg injuries those are the ones you kind of get some concern with in terms of durability but it, you know, I, I feel like if the team doctors clear him, then I'd feel comfortable taking him late round one, early round two. And that's always the part of the projection I think is hard for us is not every team may clear him. Not every team will give him a, a full, clean bill of health. They may say, yeah, he'll be fine by, you know, rookie camp or training camp. Uh, but we don't know how that affects their board. You know, in a, in a good center class, they may say, well, you know, Billy Price, he's got the pectoral thing. James Daniels is clean right now. Let's take him. Or it could be uh, we like you know the next the next group of guys whether that's a Austin Corbett if you're moving them inside or a uh, Will Clapp or maybe even a, a Mason Cole. So we don't know where it's going to place him if he is injured. I, obviously, if you're clear for the pro day though and you perform that well, I have to think he's going to be clear on most teams' boards. Uh, I was just going to look and see who which teams he visited with because to give me an idea of where he's going to go. And that second round range is what it looks like. That top of second round, there's a lot of teams looking, whether that's like the Dolphins, 49ers, Bears, uh, Bills, Bengals again. Uh, I think there's a lot of teams in there that could end up liking him there unless they're saying he's a top of the third round pick. Listen, if he's at the top of the third round, I want my Jets to get him 100 out of 100 times. But, you know, when you watch him, is there anyone he reminds you of? And I feel like offensive linemen are probably the toughest position to compare um, so if you don't have a good comp, that's perfectly fair. Comps don't mean that much to anyone that watch, uh, listens to the podcast. But is extremely lofty, and uh, it, I don't want to say the best center in the league, but he looks like Travis Frederick. I mean, there's they're talking about tall guys that sometimes lose that leverage, but don't lose the rep. And you'll see it a lot with Frederick. I, I, I was I was writing about uh, the top centers in the draft, and I went back and watched a lot of Travis Frederick because the Bengals signed Frank Pollock, his, own, his former offensive line coach. So I wanted to see what did he see in in, in uh, Frederick, you know, and they, they took him in the first round. And a lot of people didn't believe he, he should go there. Uh, so, you know, what what's maybe that how that can influence the Bengals sinking here at 21 or 46. And so I got the vibes from Ragnow. And it's mostly because of his awareness and ability to block in space. I think Frederick's on another level in terms of those reach blocks where, you, where J- James Daniels is probably closer to that. But I, I've seen enough in Ragnow to think he can do it and do it consistently. And Frederick got even better at it. And he didn't test that well to show he could do it. He, he It's in the game tape with, with uh, Frederick. So for me, Ragnow in terms of uh, pass protection and getting to the second level is where I would compare him. Size-wise, I think they're pretty similar. Uh, I think the movement skills and what Ragnow showed he could be in terms of athleticism measurements say that he should be able to make that reach block more often. And if he does, I, I don't see any reason why he couldn't end up being a top-five center in the league, top-ten center in the league. I don't think that's crazy to say. I, I, and this is a very good center class. If, if James Daniels, Billy Price, and Frank Ragnow are your top three, I wouldn't be surprised if all three of those guys ended up being top 10 centers in the NFL within two years. Uh, I think it's a really good class. I think it's it's one of those years where you got like a, um, what was it, Alex Mack and um, who was the other one drafted in the first round? 
Yeah, there was two first-rounders that year, and both became good players. And I think that's how we're looking at it this year. Even though I don't know, maybe if Price wouldn't have gotten hurt, we'd see two guys in the first. I think James Daniels could go as high as 21 to the Bengals. Uh, I don't know where Ragnow is going to slide in. I think the tapes and the measurements say he should go in the first round. Again, uh, I don't know if he will. And I wonder if people will call it a reach. You know, like the the, the media, if, if he goes 27 or 31 the same way Frederick did, are they going to say, whoa, this was a reach. We had him in the second or third round. I think the tape says he's a top 32 guy. So uh, it'd be interesting to look back and see if uh, if they're calling it a reach nationwide. I like that Frederick call. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're comparing traits, not necessarily career trajectory. So, you know, I, I don't think I'm being able to beat that one. Oh, by the way, the other the other center in that class was Eric Wood. I looked it up. That's so, right. So it was Eric Wood who just retired for the Bills. But, you know, he was a very successful player um, and his, when he was healthy. So where would you like to see him go? And you're more than welcome to say Cincinnati, but you know what what system would you like to see him in and, and what team would you like to see him on? I'd love to see him um, in Cincinnati. I really would. I, if we're talking the 46 pick, I'll trade off James Daniels at 21 to get Ragnow at 46. I think that's where you get to, you can maximize the center value this year. It's probably in that top of the second round. Those first 20 picks, if we see all three of these guys go, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and I think, like I said, there's a lot of teams there that, that are bringing these guys in from the 49ers to the to the Dolphins, to the Bills, to the Jets, uh, Bengals, uh, even some reports of the Patriots being interested in, in a Billy Price or a Frank Ragnow. So, um that makes sense to me for a lot of those teams. I, I think he's scheme diverse, so I don't. I wouldn't worry of what scheme I'm running. Plus, most of these teams are, are running everything in terms of uh, uh, of the run game. So for me, uh, you know, if you get him with a good guard or a couple couple good guards, and it seemed like how quickly he got chemistry with the guys around him, uh, he should have no problem starting and starting very early. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was productive very early. Yeah, I agree with that. So I'm gonna throw out the Chicago Bears and that's probably you know 39th overall with, with uh was Herflicht or whatever and um the former Oregon coach I always blank on his name whenever it's my time to say it. but you know they run a lot of zone read they're gonna zone read um zone blocking they'll run yeah. some man too and he's gonna play in between two really good guards and white hair and long so I, I think that he could develop that chemistry and do a lot on those combo blocks and really create open running lanes for a team that's gonna get pretty creative with their blocking as well yeah they ran everything there too so um you're right and that would be perfect if you get a versatile mix in their in your blocking schemes for right now more is like a guy like um i think with price i would want a more of a man power scheme and with daniels i'd want strictly uh, you know mostly zone if i could uh so that's why i think he may be a better fit for the bengals and, and pollock who with the cowboys they ran about 77 percent wide and inside zone stuff so i think that's why daniels may fit for the bengals more and maybe the way they're going but the uh but right now right i think he's the most versatile of the three of the top three where he can be uh he isn't scheme dependent where the other two i think have probably better fits for them joe i just want to thank you for joining us man you're you're your Bengals knowledge is second to none. Your draft knowledge is fantastic. I'm a huge fan of your kind of, why don't you tell people where, where they can find you and what you're working on? Yeah. Uh, find me on Twitter at Joe Goodberry, just the way it sounds. Uh, I'm with the athletic Cincinnati. So I post there and it's mostly just analysis. I'm not doing, you know, um, reports, what the coach says at the podium or, or what players are saying in the locker room. This is more tape, uh, player evaluation stats and, and, and advanced analytics and things like that. And, uh, 
either there's just a subscription fee, but you get all of the cities that come with the athletic and it's, it's gaining steam pretty quickly and they're bringing out a lot of good writers. Joe does fantastic work guys. I really highly encourage you following him again. He's Joe Goodberry. I'm Elliot Chris, your host of the draft daily podcast. As always, um, you can find us on Google play, iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean. As always guys, really appreciate you listening. Thank you.